All right. So a lot of these questions have been based on, you know, entry level applicants. And that's amazing. That's what I'm looking to do. I know that that's, uh, you know, in part what, what Chris is looking to do, among other things. But what about advice for people that are listening to this and they're, and they're on a different part of their career? They're looking yeah. to, you know, navigate difficult experiences with clients, yeah. changing expectations. Uh, Brian, I'll let you take the lead on this. But uh, when things get difficult in working with clients or, you know, maybe just something got weird somewhere along the line, how do you go about handling that? When you run into some troubles with clients, the best thing you can ever learn, if they come to you with a problem, do not defend your point of view, ever. Mm. Make that go away. Don't get angry. Certainly don't get defensive. What you want to do is listen to them actively. You want to repeat back to them what they told you. You do not want to say, well, this this happened because of that and this. And you didn't do they don't give a shit. They literally don't care. Your job in that moment where they're telling you how disappointed they might be about an outcome or something that you were supposed to do, you didn't do, or, 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 or you have a different expectation of what was supposed to happen, you have to listen to them and then you have to repeat back to them what they told you. Then you have to do this, which is really hard. You have to expand on what they've said. So if they said this, this, this problem was because of A, B, and C, you, and you listen to them and you say, this problem you tell me is because of A, B, and C, and I bet it's also because of D, E, and F. You have to expand their range of concern. If you don't do that, they will not think that you are listening to them. Your first job is to be have great compassion. I hate the word empathy. Empathy means you know you, you walk around in another person's shoes. It doesn't mean you care. Uh, empathy is too objective a word. You have to have compassion for what they're going through. If you can't have compassion for your clients, you do not deserve to have clients, period. You have to. Even when they're at their most difficult. They've hired you. Your obligation is to figure it out. Unless for some reason they've been abusive, they're mean, and, they're, and by every definition, they're horrible. You have to try to find a way to figure it out because they've hired you. And you have to expand on that probably to repeat it back to them. Then they will listen to you. And it requires you to be generous. It requires you to be absolutely vulnerable. And you have to be willing to take all the blame <laughs> when they brace that up or they bring something up, and only then will you be able to move the ball forward. Take, take responsibility for it. Even take responsibility for things that you know you, you might not have done and they're angry about. Right, that's my next question. Yeah. It will diffuse their anger almost consistently, and you'll be able to start a new conversation. And later you can come back around and say, you know, you're a little rough on me on this. But if you don't do it in that moment and really listen to them, repeat back what they have said, one, two, three, and then expand, four, five, six, that's how you diffuse the situation. Do not defend yourself. First, listen to them. Yeah. Chris? I'm not Irish, so I don't have that hot blood. Right. So I try to be as objective as possible, even when I know the clients are 1,000% wrong. You don't get to temper, Chris. No. Jesus Christ. You get, you get, get, your, get your Irish up, dude. Hang out with me for a couple of days. We'll find it. It takes a lot for me to get that upset. Yeah. And I've been upset before, but I've always thought about what is going to serve me, the company, the people who, who've taken a, a, so some kind of risk to join our company, what's no. going to serve us best right now? And for, for me to flip out, it's really not going to serve anybody. And it's also just, I think a sign of maturity and wisdom 
And, and as you get older, you're, you're not so gung-ho about every little thing and every little offense, whether real or perceived. And I think it's, it's what served me well when I was running a company working with clients. There's an obligation here to work with clients and solve the problem. Solve the problem. Clients don't speak your language. You speak theirs. Uh, it's one of those things where you as Moses, you go to the mountain and we work together. Now, I can harbor all kinds of horrible feelings and whatever, but I'm going to try to work through the problem. I think Brian said several things about taking responsibility. I mean, it takes a bigger person to take responsibility for things you know are not your fault. I mean, saying it's my fault when you, it is your fault, it's just being honest. But to step in and say, look, I don't know where this went wrong. I'm going to take responsibility. What has happened here? What has transpired uh, that is creating this place now where you're feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And what Brian also said was, is there an opportunity for us to get this back on track or has that ship sailed? Mixed metaphors there. Realize that. <laughs> and let's get let's get it back on. And, and usually that is all people want. They just want to be seen, heard, recognized. So, okay, all right, okay, we can, we can do this. And I think the, the problem here is that a lot of creative people are afraid of any kind of friction at all. Mm-hmm. And so rather than bring this thing up, which they know the vibe is funky because we're really good about feeling the room, but they don't say anything, the clients are thinking, are we on the same page? Are we on the same plane? Do, can we see eye to eye on this moving forward? And they're probably writing you off right now. So it's better for you to speak about these things, to surface them, because once you do, the toxic energy in the room will start to dissipate. I find that whenever you speak to a problem, whether it's with your team, whether it's with a potential client or an existing client, that starts to bring everybody from a from an eight or nine on the on the crazy scale back down to a three or four, and, and we can rebuild from there. And I've used this many times when when projects have gone sideways to bring it back on track. And I find that young people, when they know they screwed up or they know the clients are misbehaving, they just don't say anything. And the problem doesn't get smaller, it gets bigger. Why do you think that that is? Why is, why is that fear there that, that stops people from being able to advocate for themselves before it, it's too late? And, and did you guys ever have a time where you felt like that was something that you struggled with? Well, I, I think many creatives, especially early on in their career, are still looking for their footing, their inner confidence. And we tend to look at the world so much like the clients have all the power and we have zero power. And so we readily just give it away. And so if the client's upset, we just pretend like, okay, whatever. Or there's an issue. There are too many rounds of changes. Or they're not looking at our presentation and paying attention because something else is more interesting to them. We don't say anything. So we cede power. And if you just think about it, as the relationship goes on, it only gets worse. It never improves. The best it's ever going to be is the beginning when you're in your honeymoon stage and everybody's on their best behavior. So it's important, I think, when establishing dynamic between yourself and the client that you you have a good accounting of yourself by by being confident, having some self-respect, and being able to raise these things. We also think some, we have magical thinking that if, the, if we don't bring up the problem, it will just go away. We just ignore it. It, it tends to lead into passive-aggressive behavior. Right. We, we know that in, in any kind of relationship, for example, if you have a friend who's like, hey, yeah, Rob, I'm going to hang out at your house. You're like, well, I didn't really invite you. I'll just spend the night here just one night. And you're like, Ugh. all right. But my wife might not like that. And you don't bring it up. And it just keeps eating at you and eating at you a week into this relationship. You're like, dude, 
we can't even be friends anymore because you're just <laughs> taking advantage of me right yeah. now. And I, I'm hearing it from my wife every single night. So if we had just said, look, I'm uncomfortable with you spending the night here, I got to check in with my wife. Uh, not because I'm not a man of the house, but we're, we're a partnership. And you can't just drop in and say that at random. I love you like a brother, but I need to run it by my wife because I want there to be harmony here. So just chill for one second. Let me find out. And also, if you're going to stay here, it's got to be just for one night. Are we cool? And then all of a sudden, it's not so bad anymore. We have to learn to speak to our fears and speak to our concerns. And you had asked this question before about if we could all go back in time and do one thing over again, what was that one thing? Communication. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's that's kind of where I'm leading with this. Yeah.